If you hear good music, you're listening to Radio Catskill, like our local DJ shows on Friday night. Jason Tuga makes you a personalized mixtape at 7, Cassie Carlson at 8 on Rare Pair Radio, at 9, it's Freeform DJ John F. on Low Stakes, and Stay Up for Jeff Loeffler down in the deep end at 10. Phenomenal music shows Friday night, only on Radio Catskill. Hi, I'm NPR climate reporter Lauren Summer. If you're thinking your next car will be electric, you can double your good karma by donating your old car to this station. Not only could you have a smaller carbon footprint, your old car will help fund more of NPR's award-winning environmental coverage. It's double karma. Upgrade your car and turn your old one into more news. Here's how. We accept any vehicle. Donate at WJFFradio.org. Local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. And we definitely have a Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania program for you tonight. We'll be talking about some of the history of the Catskills. Part of the history it's known as the Borscht Belt. People are working hard to honor that history. We'll find out what they're doing with the Borscht Beat Historical Borscht Belt, excuse me, historical marker project. Coming up in the second half of the program. But first, Christmas is coming to Northeast Pennsylvania, and it's time to talk about the annual holiday toy drive. The Zipper Junction Project created the holiday toy drive six years ago to ensure youngsters in both Wayne and Pike counties have a happy holiday season, and it serves hundreds of families each year. Toy drive and distribution return in person this year after a couple of pandemic-related virtual versions of the effort in recent years, and they've had the help of several key partners and the support of a gracious and generous community. Here to tell us more about where the toy drive is right now is Jim Zapponi from the Zipper Junction Project. Zim, J- Jim, thank you for joining us. Oh, sorry, Jim, thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Okay. So um, let's let's go over, and, you know, I've, we've talked to you about this the last couple of years. Um, you want to remind folks how the Holiday Toy Drive works? Sure. The Holiday Toy Drive was a program created uh, back in 2017 after another organization closed down. There was no coverage for Wayne and Pike counties, and we created a new program that was a little bit more hyper-local. We collect from Wayne and Pike counties, and we distribute only in Wayne and Pike counties, and it's a, it's an, it's a community effort. Uh, we collect uh, from all over the areas with uh, collection toy boxes. This year we had about 238 of them out there. And we also had a major sponsor with Wayne County Ford that collects toys and challenges folks with uh, another organization to uh, 
fill up four or five pickup trucks, and then the organization there covers the, the last one. They um, they donate a whole truck also to the employees and the ownerships. So that's how we collect everything. And then folks apply uh, during the month of October uh, online, and then they get vetted through the month of November. And then we hold a major distribution um, event where folks basically get to shop for their kids' toys. That's how the program basically works. Great. And uh, as I understand it, you're at the point now where you're not collecting toys, but people can still help, right? Absolutely. We we literally just picked up the last boxes today. Uh, they were out for about five or six weeks. And now we have uh, monetary donations can be still um, sent to us in many different ways. And what that does is it covers costs that we incur to put this program together uh, mainly buying toys and gifts for older kids. We have found over the years they're the ones that we're a little deficient on as we do this. So that gets spent uh, actually tonight and tomorrow. Uh, and then we hope that folks will donate a little bit more over the course of the following weeks to cover those costs. But we cannot wait. This thing is a set in stone date. So that can be done if everything can be found at, at our website, um, zipperjunction.org. And just click on the big truck with the toys in the back, and uh, it'll take you right to the donation pages and everything else that we have regarding the program. Okay, that's... I apologize. I'm getting a text that came in. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I'll just remind no, people that website that. is Zipper... ZipperJunction.org is the website. So that's that's how people can still help on the giving end. Now, what do people need to know on the receiving end? Yeah, there... That was all something that happened back in October. Um, we did a, a major push with, you know, press releases and advertisement and school districts. And so they all signed up that way. But if they did not make it, you know, into the program this year, um, the best thing to do is to um, sign up for an email, which can also be done on that same website so they get information going forward for any programs. Right, right. So um, when, how exactly does the distribution of the toys uh, work? Well, we set up a 4,000-square-foot facility, essentially like Ikea, where we create this big, long, snaking aisle, and we, um, we set the toys up on these tables and, and, and apparatus that we have from 18 years old, and they go all the way down to newborns. Um, we age everything. We value everything. They have uh, certain stickers on them so we know how to choose them. Uh, and then we have an algorithm that divides up the number of applicants and their ages. And basically, whatever the community gave us, however many hundreds or thousands of toys, get divided by all of those applicants equitably. And then we have guides that go through with shopping carts with the folks. And they literally shop. And they check off how many of each they're allowed. And when they hit that number, then we take them to the end. And they pack it all up and we send them on their way. But it gives them the freedom to choose things they think their kids would like. Um yeah. Is this the first year that you've been able to do that in the last few years? Yes. Unfortunately, we we had two years where we did a monetary thing only online due to COVID concerns. The first year was the first year was quite um apparent we had to do it that way. The second year was a little debatable, um, but we can't risk hundreds of people coming into contact with each other. So we, we held off and this is the first year in person. And it was really very well received again. Many, many people are happy we're doing it in person. It's just much more right. of, of an experience this way. And, and yeah, I was going to say, how does, how does that feel to you to be able to be doing it this way again? 
Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, we have uh, you know about 50 volunteers that put this all together. Um, they do it for, for their own personal reasons, you know, what they get out of it, and they were missing that in the monetary method. Um, and all the recipients, we just, they love, we've, you know, we've, we've seen people go from being on this program years ago to then donating themselves over the years to then getting jobs and even a few that have started businesses which now donate to the program. So, I mean, that's the goal. The goal is to, you know, move people from needing this help to being able to help others. Wow. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. We've developed relationships with these people. Wow. That's really great. And I want to take the time to, to acknowledge, too, that there, there's other businesses that, that helped you out here. Uh, Wayne County Ford, uh, Bold Gold Media, um, and even the Wall and Pompac Area School District got involved. What, what did they do? This is a huge thing this year. We've always worked with, there are four major school districts in Pike, Pike and Wayne counties, Wallen Paul Pack area being one of them. And we've always had boxes in their school buildings, and we've had interactions with clubs and counselors. But this year, we had an official partnership that started back in end of August, early September with Wallen Paul Pack, which was actually born out of the fact that we lost the facility we had used in previous years. The ownership changed and it wasn't available. And they offered us up a uh, one of their one of their buildings, gymnasiums, uh, for a week to set this all up. And it grew into a fantastic partnership where many many of the student organizations um, did fun, independent fundraisers, had a lot of fun doing it, helped raise some money. Um, it raised awareness, which can almost be more important than the money. And uh, the staff even got involved with volunteering. I'm sitting in one of their buildings right now, you know, oh. working on this program now. But it be, it became a, a fantastic partnership that we're already talking about, you know, moving forward next year with it. Yeah, you're really bringing the the whole community together to help the whole community. That's correct. We we always claim that we're the middlemen. You no, know, it's yeah. the community supplies this and the community receives this. We're just the guys in the middle, kind of facilitating that. <laughs> so I often remind people: don't thank us. Thank the person you see at online at the supermarket or the person you run into in the shopping cart within the parking lot. Those are the people where it came from. We've been talking to Jim Zampano from the Zipper Junction Holiday Toy Drive. There's more information at uh, 570-390-7066. And what was that website again, Jim? ZipperJunction.org. Can't miss it. ZipperJunction.org. Jim, I want to wish you all the best. I wish you a very uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, it was great, Jason. Thank you for having me. Okay, stay tuned. When we come back, we'll be talking about the Borscht Belt historical markers right here on Radio Catskill. Winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. NPR News and this member station are here for you, no matter what. Thanks for your support and for making what we do possible. Thank you for listening to WJFF Radio Catskill. Support the news, information, and entertainment your friends and neighbors rely on. Go to WJFFRadio.org. Welcome back to the local edition. 
The Borscht Belt Historical Marker Project has a mission to find, create, preserve places that are important to the Borscht Belt era that once dominated the Catskills region. This uh, existed from the 20s all the way up to the 90s, brought Sullivan County and the surrounding area hotels, bungalow colonies, summer camps into the national spotlight. And here to talk more about the Borscht Belt Historical Marker Project it's photographer and author Marissa Scheinfeld and Louis Ingleterra, and they've been working on the project. Marissa, welcome back to Radio Catskill. Thank you so much for having me back. And Louis, welcome to our airwaves for the first time, I think. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So for those who don't know, um, uh, uh, Marissa, you're a photographer who has documented in the past few years the last remains of some of the hotels that once existed, what people call the Borscht Belt, uh, and now you're working on this historical marker project. Tell us, uh, first off, why, why do you have this connection to this era of our local history? Sure. Well, I grew up in Sullivan County. My parents moved there in 1985, and they still live there today in Rock Hill. And um, I kind of been saying this lately, it feels very true. Um, you know, Sullivan County, as well as the Borscht Belt, is part of the tapestry of my entire life. It not only connects me, my parents, but my grandparents, my great-grandparents, all who came up to the area and... Um, Having made a book about the area, having lived some of the Borscht Belt, working at the Concord as a teenager, and now, you know, in 2022, moving into 2023, that era is significantly faded, if not gone. And um, this marker project really is going to instill that there is some sort of very solid um, uh, remnant of the marker project and we hope to spark interest in not only local history but for people who live in the county for people who visit the county and our goal is to create a comprehensive marker system that traverses sullivan and parts of ulster as well is it you talk about how much of an impact this has had on your life you know you say your your parents moved here in 1985 they probably would not have moved here if it wasn't for that prior history and connection to the area of coming to visit that's exactly why they moved to the area my dad actually was offered a job in i believe it was greenwich connecticut and in harris new york at the hospital and he picked harris new york because he had come up to fallsburg summer after summer to bungalow after bungalow as a kid. And my mother also was a child of the bungalows out in Ellenville. And I think that they decided to go to the place where they had, you know, a wonderful personal connection to raise their family. And, you know, they're still, they're still here. And, you know, Lewis, could you talk about your connection to the area and this history? Sure. So I, um, I have actually, I don't have any sort of family connection to the Catskills. Um, I met Marissa on Instagram um, uh, as I have photographed the abandoned ruins and just been fascinated by the area um, since I was um, around 10 years old. Um, I've kind of, I grew up as an old soul and had a really long history or a long interest in um, collecting antiques and um, being fascinated by uh, historical architecture and I stumbled upon the Catskills um, when I discovered my interest in um, discovering abandoned buildings in the state of New York and discovered this whole mecca of 
um, beautiful architecture that's just been forgotten about. Um, and so I've visited the Catskills um, numerous hundreds of times um, and explored the ruins and was fortunate enough to be connected with Marissa um, around probably around 10 years ago. Um, and uh, I have, uh, I'm studying right now currently at Colorado State University um, in interior architecture and design with a focus area of historical preservation. And my goal um, in the long run is to um, potentially restore um, the remaining ruins that are left um, in the Catskills and open up some sort of, um, sort of, I guess, Borscht Belt-esque resort. Um, but currently, I'm finishing up my degree, and I've worked on a couple independent study projects related to the Catskills, um, one of them which is a um, recreational model um, that using our architectural software, um, where I've um, recreated the in famous indoor pool at Grossinger's um, in a <laughs> digital model um, that technically can be reconstructed uh, if someone wanted to using the construction documents I designed. Um, but it's kind of, it archives the, the famous building um, in a digital sense that you can um, basically put on the uh, virtual reality headphones, or sorry, um, headsets, there we go, and actually walk through the space as if you were back in the day in the 1956. I, you know, I was wondering, I, I'm like, you know, these are some very big buildings that, that we're talking about, uh, preserving and, you know, and th there's, there are many reasons why they've fallen into disrepair. Mm -hmm. It's an economics thing. They were built for a certain scale of business and then that, that business isn't there. It's hard to keep them going. So I was thinking, boy, that's, that's a, a an expensive ambition to, uh, try to preserve <laughs> them. But I wasn't thinking of a 3D digital space. That's another way to approach this. Exactly. Exactly. It's really the the best way, um, especially um, since Grossinger's, as we know, are is has been demolished, um, and you know there's no real, there wasn't a really commemorative way to um, preserve that. So there's um, this digital age really opens the door for that, um, and for many other buildings that I'm planning on um, reconstructing as well. Marissa, can you uh, tell us a bit more about the team that's working with you on this project, and where are you with the project? Is this just something that's planned, or are you ready to start placing some markers? Sure. So I first need to mention that um, the only r way that we can really execute this project is because of an organization called the Jewish American Society for Historic Preservation. They are um, a nonprofit volunteer organization whose goal is to identify and recognize sites of American Jewish historical interest across America. They have placed over hundreds of markers in almost all 50 states. So I was contacted a handful of years ago by the founder, Jerry Klinger, who had come up to Sullivan County, met with a bunch of people. There was a lot of interest, but I think the project just never really took off. It was going to take someone with time and real dedicated interest. And um, it was John Conway who connected Jerry with myself. And, you know, due to the pandemic and the birth of my first son, it kind of got put on the back burner. But the Jewish American Society for Historic Preservation is fully backing us and funding every single marker. So these markers are really a gift to the community. We have just created our first four markers. They are currently being fabricated. 
Um, we hope to unveil them starting at around Memorial Day um, of 2023. And we're already at work on our next set of markers. Um, so it, it is a real thing. Um, and we are so excited um, with each marker dedication, we hope to have some kind of public program, whether it's a film screening, a book talk, a lecture, maybe even bigger uh, plans such as exhibits. Um, but really, our goal is to get these markers in the ground. Our goal is about eight of them in 2023. And then we hope to move into 2024, creating even more. And um, then Lewis um, is going to create a digital and physical map that people could take a self-guided tour throughout the county. And our long-term goal is to create an audio tour where you can tune in and listen to various people speaking on the resort era and bungalow history. Wow. Okay. So these markers are really just the first step on, on a, a, what you conceive to be a much bigger preservation project. Oh, yeah. You know, this is like the beginning of something that I'm, I think myself and Lewis are, you know, the thing about Lewis is when I was approached by Jerry and knew I needed someone to work with. And it was immediately Lewis because the synergy be between him and I is just so fluid and phenomenal between my knowledge of the Borscht Belt, his knowledge, his skills, my skills, um, the fact that I grew up in the area, you know, that helps the project gain some traction and it, it allows me to introduce it to people I already know. Uh, maybe they know me from my book or they know my family. And Lewis has just been so instrumental because he and I are working to write the text, select the images. And then we do have another person behind the scenes. I will mention her. Her name is Kelly Huggins. She's a Catskill historian as well, um, not of the Borspout, but Kelly has a lot of museum and uh, didactic panel writing experience. And she's helping us flesh these out and edit them down um, so that they honor um, in a succinct way um, in each different town a marker will be placed. So it is important to say that the markers are not going on abandoned properties. They're going to go in existing public spaces where people can interact with them. Um, and if they do go roadside, they're going to be in very safe pull-off spaces because they're dual-sided and they have images. So we really want people to spend time with them. Right, and get close and see them. Can we talk about uh, where some of these initial uh, markers are going to go, what specific places are? Sure, sure Lewis, I you want to take that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So our first four markers, um, the first one's going to be, well, they're not all in order, but um, we're going to do one on at Swan Lake um, at the Lakeside Park where they have a wonderful kiosk um, yeah. that shows all the history of um, the area and the resorts. Um, and then our next one will be at the Monticello Public Library um, outside on their beautiful courtyard that they just recently renovated. Um, and then our third one is going to be on the site of the um, Concord and Breezy Corners um, at the Resorts World Casino. Um, and then our fourth one is going to be at the... Uh, it's like yeah. the community board um, in Mountaindale at the intersection yeah. of uh, yeah. po Post Hill and uh, Main Street. <laughs> I assume like the, the one in Swan Lake will be about the Stevensville? It so will include the uh, Stevensville, but it will talk about other hotels too, yeah. That were there. Well, and see, that's that's sort of the thing that's important about this, and, and, and you're – 
neck deep in looking at the process of how history is lost because we're part of this generation that came along right at the tail end of that era. And, you know, you you get familiar with just what what is visible. And now even that's slipping away. So it is important. People forget that there were like so many more uh, uh, smaller hotels, motels, bungalows, like all throughout that, that, you know, there were real communities connected to. Absolutely. And one of the things we want to note, though, too, is that um, the markers, the text is around 164 words. Um, so most of the markers were focusing on the main, um, the famous resorts that were part of the town. But um, on our website, we will have include a list um, that was compiled by Phil Brown and the Catskills Institute that will list each and every hotel that was part of that hotel or part of the town. Um, so not all the not all the names will be forgotten. Yeah, and this way we're not excluding, you know, because it's so hard to narrow down which hotel to mention. Obviously, the big ones like the Concord and the Laurels and Kutcher's, but there were so many other places in Bungalow Colonies important to the history of, of the of the county and so many people's personal history. So the website will be an extension of the marker, and we're going to have little QR code plates that are going to be next to the markers where you can, uh, you know, scan them and link up to our website and see the rest of it digitally great is there anything else that you want folks to know about this project at this time i think we should check in again when it comes time to to unveil some of these especially as you go throughout 2023 but at this point right now what what do you most want folks to know um i would say that come check out our website it's www.maytheborshtbewithyou.org you can also find us at borschbelthistoricalmarkerproject.org. But really, um, check out our website, join our mailing list. We also have a Twitter, a Facebook, and an Instagram. And we're really starting to amp that up, not only revealing marker design, but our uh, history, um, our catalog of images that we have. Um, and we were also given a very rare um, archive by a photographer from the Concord so we're really excited to kind of roll out the visuals and social media will be that way until we unveil the markers in early summer. And are you looking for any help from people, uh, additional information, resources, or, you know, whether those are financial or historical? Do you need the help of others at this point? Yes, we do. Um, we, While the Jewish American Society for Historic Preservation is funding the markers, that's all they're funding. So we are going to be looking for funding to create the digital physical maps, expand our website, do the driving tour. Eventually, we're going to try to get a volunteer team together who can go with us each year and clean the markers and just do some maintenance so that we're not a burden on the towns that we're placing the markers in. Um, and if anyone has any information, especially high-resolution images about each hotel or bungalow colonies or anything they'd like to share, even if it's, you know, not just 2D but 3D materials, uh, we have a email. It's info at borschbelthistoricalmarkerproject.org. I'm at borschbelthistoricalmarkerproject.org right now, and I'm looking at your logo, and uh, I just have to to ask the logo <laughs> that you have here, this drawing. This looks like the the hotel that is up there on Swiss Hill Road that's in this drawing here. Is is that correct? Uh, it is not, actually. It's 
Yeah. Um, it was supposed to be yeah. kind of like Shanks meets the Neville. That okay. was the kind of like the design that circular building that Shanks had. Um, it was the card room. But the model was the famous photograph of Route 17 with the billboards on the right side of the road where you'd see all these hotels. And we worked with Noelle Slifko, who's actually also a resident of the area. And she kind of like brought our 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 idea to life, which was to have this road where you're driving and you see a bit of the past. Um, and it's, uh, you know, you see some buildings that look like a hotel and then a bungalow colony with a pool. And then there's a historical marker on the roadside. So um, we love the logo. I think it's really fun. I do, too. I had to mention it. We're on the radio. So I had to talk about something visual uh, the, for, for the listener. Listener, if you want to see uh, what this looks like, it's at may the borscht be with you dot org, a.k.a. Borscht Belt Historical Marker Project dot org. We've been talking to uh, two of the the folks making this Borscht Belt Historical Marker Project happen. I want to say uh, Marissa Scheinfeld, Louis Ing- Ingleterra, thank you so much for joining us, and may the Borscht be with you. Oh, may it be with you. <laughs> may it be with you. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> That's going to do it for the local edition tonight. News and information, and we're keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. Thanks to our guests. Thank you for listening. Do come back tomorrow evening at 6.30. We'll do it one more time this week. Patricio Rabio will be your host. Stay tuned for Ramble Tamil coming up next. This is Radio Catskill, WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH, Monticello. Support for Radio Catskill comes from... Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles as well as rustic collections. With showrooms at Lake Wall and Poppock, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, PA. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com From Dog Mountain Lodge, providing dog boarding and grooming, also boarding cats, birds, and other exotic pets. Located in Keshecton, New York, and on the web at DogMountainLodge.com And from listeners like